first. Whatever you feel like doing. Okay, um, let's pray. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these ladies that are here tonight. Lord, I pray that you bless them, Lord, and that whatever I have to say, if it touches some part of their life, Lord, I just pray that you will heal it, and then you work it out for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, I want you to know it's an honor and a privilege um, to be here tonight to speak and to give you uh, my testimony as an overcomer. And I'll start when I was growing up. Now, when you get to be my age, your testimony's this long, <laughs> so I'm trying to put it in a nutshell. <laughs> I have a sister who lives in California, a sister in Florida, and a brother in Gross Point, and my mother is just turned 89, and she's real sassy. Um, I, I came from a very abusive childhood, and I was unhappy most of the time. My, my mother used to beat us up all the time. And so I had to go through decades of counseling. So that's all I'm going to say about that, because she, you know, she's still alive. <laughs> I was just kind of hoping she wouldn't come. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Okay, so when I was in high school, I met my sweetheart, and that was my um, ex-husband, the, the father of my children, and a year after we were graduated, we were married. So when we were married nine months, his mother, we thought, had the flu, and she was in her early 40s. And she ended up dying one week later. It was a freak death, and the hospitals couldn't figure out what was wrong, and now she's written into the history, or however they call it. Yeah, something like that. Um, so that left my father-in-law with 19 to 3-year-old, six children, and so I had to help out quite a bit. And they had a really good marriage, so it was really very, very hard on him. So four months after that, on our first anniversary, he got drafted, and of course that was during the Vietnam War. So he got hit in infantry, and I, I, I just wanted to die. I mean, I was so scared, and I was pregnant with my first son uh, at the time, and I went into a very, very dark depression, and I just couldn't seem to climb out of it. So I had to move back in with my parents down the basement. And that was even, even more of a depression. <laughs> so back then, when, when they had the soldiers, they would name on the news who died in the US. And I would come home every day, and I'd go, Dad, did they mention Rick? And he goes, no. Every day I did that, just my heart would just, ah, oh, just fall. So, so when he got out of the service, he came back with that Vietnam syndrome. And so after that, our marriage was never the same. And it kind of started to start to deteriorate after that. But we always talked about moving to California. And when my son was four months old, we moved out there because we were close to his cousin and they were moving out there 
So we thought, okay, well then we'll all go together and, you know, we can make it together. So we lived there for a while, but then while I was out there, I went through two separations, two more children later, and then he cheated on me two times, which caused the separations that he chose to leave. And I, since I was just accepted the Lord around that time, I had so much faith that he would come back that I said, just go sow your oats, and then when you're done, come back. I go, I'll wait for you. So he did. Uh, a year and a half later, and the first one was three months, and, but it still, he still wasn't done with it. But I still thought, well, I'll just stick it out for the kids, and I was a, a, a stay-at-home mom with three kids. Didn't, you know, wasn't working. So it was pretty tough to even think about going on my own. So um, my oldest son, Richard, he's married, and he lives in Arizona with a 14-year-old grandchild. And then Jason, my son, who's Ava's father, um, he, he lives in St. Clair Shores. <laughs> and um, my daughter lives in California. She's married and has a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson. Um, and this, this is Ava's grandmother, Val. And I hope I don't offend you by saying my next part. But um, many, many people here have asked me why Ava lives with us. And the reason is, is because um, her mother lost custody, and my son has custody. But he works nights at a restaurant. So therefore, he gets home around midnight or so. And so he can't get up in the morning to take her to school. So John drives her to school. He picks her up. And then she stays there till he goes to work. Or if he's off of work, then she comes home around 8 o'clock. So she has to be home at our house every night for school. Then on the weekend, she usually stays with Grandma Val or, um, you know, whatever she wants to do. So that's the reason for that. And, you know, we just know that the Lord put her in our lives, and I couldn't really have it any other way, you know, to have my grandchild with me. So, but she is a, a real blessing. <laughs> okay, so um, with my ex-husband, we were married 15 years, and he wanted a divorce in the worst way. And he would persecute me all the time in the Lord. He would always make fun out of me and always say things. And, you know, it was like living with Satan half the time. And this went on for years. And he would always say, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to divorce you. And then I would shake, you know, because I go, what am I going to do, you know? And that was like one of the hardest things that I had to go through. So it was always his dream to move up in Northern California, up in the mountains, little house on the prairie, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, there was nothing up there, nothing. Two churches, that was it. And I, I thought to myself, well, if I give up my house, I'll lose all my security. But then it's always been his dream, maybe our marriage could work if I go up there. So I said, okay. Well, we go up there, and it still wasn't enough for him. Um, 
And it was like, and then he kept saying to me, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to divorce you. If you don't like it, then leave. If you don't like it, then leave. And I had to give up my family, my church, my home, everything to give him what he wanted. And I had to end up going through culture shock because um, when finally one day when he goes, if you don't like it, then leave. And like a bulb went off in my head. And it was like I really heard the Lord say, what are you staying for? He doesn't want you. And then I thought, yeah, he doesn't want me. So what am I here for? I put up with this long enough. So the Lord gave me the scripture, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But Jesus would be my husband, so come to me. And I thought, well, I, I put everything into him. That didn't work. So, I mean, even though I knew the Lord would take care of me, but it was like Rama. It was like, it just went right here. And then I, I called my mom, and I said, can I come home? And she said, yes. So I had no choice but to move back to Michigan um, with my parents in 1985, and I had to start all over again with another culture shock within six months. You know what that's like to lose everything but your children? So uh, while I was living with them, I needed a house, a car, and a job to support my family, and I got all three in three months, so the Lord supplied my needs. So during that time, I extended my divorce five times, still hoping he would change, things could work out, but it never did. So in 1987, I started to go to St. Clair Shore Assembly of God, and I went to the singles ministry. I hated being single, just hated it. I was lonely. <laughs> I was poor. <laughs> I was raising three kids by myself. I was a breadwinner and struggling every inch of the way. And the Lord kept giving me this scripture, Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So as I became more involved in the singles ministry, I found people who were going through the same exact thing as me, and our children were going through the same exact thing. And that gave me comfort. So, that, um, so then I uh, made lots of friends, and we did activities with them. Well, then I met Chris George. Raise your hand. And we, we were inseparable, and we did everything together. She had three boys, I, and I had my, my two other ones, and they were close to the same age. And so we would go camping, we'd go on church activities and shopping, we would laugh, cry, and pray together. We did a lot of crying. <laughs> um, then a couple of years later, I became the president of the singles ministry and had over 100 singles and children. And by that time, my job was flourishing. I was in ministry and feeling pretty good about myself. Um, but I was still healing and getting along the best I could. But this funny little story, I really didn't date much. The Lord just sheltered me from it. But somebody set me up with the blind date. And, you know, you watch TV and you think, oh, it must be wonderful to be single. Look at all these dates. They wine and dine you, and they bring you flowers and candy. You know, you go to different places. 
So I go, okay, so I lit the candles and I put the music on. And I, I saw the guy get out of the car. <laughs> I blew out the candles, turned off the music. <laughs> and I go, this is nothing like the movies. I was so disappointed. <laughs> so by this point, it was over um, eight years now of being single. And I had a very long list of what I wanted in a husband. And I wanted a spiritual and a godly man. And my children and his children would have to get along. And this took a lot longer than I expected. So I went to go see the pastor. And I go, what's taking so long? And he goes, well, you have such a long list. And it's so detailed. Um, that it's going to take a while to find a man, and I even wanted a man with curly hair, and I got it. <laughs> but thank God, John is a very godly, godly spiritual man. So my desire was to meet my future husband at church so I can watch him in ministry. I can watch him how many times he came to church and what other people thought of him, because when you're in the singles, most of the men don't work, and they go to church on and off, and sometimes when they get married, they say, I'm married now, I don't have to go to church. So I wanted to make sure that he was really stable, and uh, I wasn't going to marry just anybody. Well, this is um, nine and a half years later, and Chris and I were such good friends that she didn't date much either. So we always hoped that we would find a special man together at the same time. And I thought, if we hardly have any dates, how is God going to orchestrate that one? So that took a very long time to be without a man. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when, when Chris and I, um, so Chris met Gary. And I met John at the same time, but we didn't tell each other for about a month because we were afraid. <laughs> and John and I were in the Easter drama at church, and the last night he asked me out. And after dating him for a month, I just knew he was the one. And we dated for 13 months, and we were married. So after that, a, month and a, half, a year and a half later, my father died suddenly in five days. Uh, and then I was going through my change of life at the same time. So I had hot flashes, irritability, crying over everything. I was a mess. Poor John. <laughs> so John was the oldest of seven brothers. Very nice family. He has two grown daughters, Allison in California and Shannon in Rochester Hills. And in 2002, his mother was diagnosed with lung cancer. And she died a year later. They had a very, very good, happy marriage. And then his father died 11 months later. So we had like a lot of tragedies, you know, right away. But John and I, you know, served the Lord, but he would work and he would work and he would work and he'd work like 80 hours a week all the time and because he has his own company. And so I tried to find things to do without them. <laughs> I had to. You know, and there are many wives that would cheat on their husbands for not being home. And I even know a Christian couple that did that because 
they said he was never home, but he was a good provider, and then had an affair in the church, and it ended up, they ended up getting married and got a divorce anyway. So it, does, it, it just doesn't pay. So um, we have now been married for 23 years, and some of it's been bliss, it's been hardships, it's been laughter, it's been tears, many times of frustrations, just what all other married couples go through. I mean, but I thank God I got a Christian husband because it does make it a lot easier and you can pray about things. So am I an overcomer? You betcha. I never once stopped serving the Lord. 43 late years later, I was never lukewarm. I've been in the desert several times for several years, but I hung in there. That's pretty, pretty hard to go through. And so I had the sacrifice of praise, and it was exactly what it says. I would sing, and tears would stream down my face. And I thought, I'm never going to get through this trial. I'm never going to get out of the desert. But the Lord gave me strength to make it. And I do say this humbly when I talk about, you know, what I went through and how I felt. I'm not boasting. <laughs> um, so my best advice to you would be to become an overcomer if, if you're feeling, not feeling it is um, to stay in the word even though you don't feel like it and sing when you, when you play your worship music at home or in the car and don't let the enemy eat you up. You've got to fight, 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 pray, pray, pray. Become very active in your church, well, I think most of you already are, and get involved in ministry and serve them with all of your might. Make a commitment to fulfill that ministry, and your goal is to help others. When you come home at the end of the day, you will feel totally fulfilled helping others. Sometimes we need to take our mind off of ourselves and put it on somebody else. So our church has many ministries. Find one that you like. Try it out. I'm sounding like Pastor Tim now. If you don't like it, then try another one until you find your niche, and God will use you in many ways. And McCress is a very good one to start with because there's many facets to that, and you only, you know, have a week to do it in. So, you know, every little bit counts. I also have been on seven mission trips, and that was a wonderful opportunity helping God's children all over the world. So if you've never had that experience, pray about going on one and being one because I, I didn't ever think that I would do something like that. And now that I did, uh, I, I feel so full in the Lord with all that I've learned. And you work really hard when you're on these mission trips, but... It's definitely worth it. So don't ever close your mind to it. Um, so I became, when I became a grandmother, I was very blessed. I made many mistakes raising my own children, feeling guilty for the way I treated them, spanking, yelling, restrictions. And now I want to make it up to my grandchildren. So every time I would look into their face, I would see my children's face, and it's like having them little all over again. So people have told me that it is wonderful being a, a grandparent, but I had no idea it was going to be this great. 
especially when your grandchild wants to be with you, too. <laughs> I started my own business in March of 2004 as a professional organizer. I finally could work part-time in my life and was happy to finally live my life around my family and not around my job. So to be a professional organizer is a gift, and it has to do with OCD. You got the good OCD as Martha Stewart, and then you got the bad OCD as a hoarder. And most people should be in the middle, or organizers way over here close to Martha Stewart, but I think Martha Stewart's anal, and I don't want to be that bad. I have seen it all. I, I won't work with hoarders because they won't even throw away a piece of paper and usually it's filth, it's a lot of animals and all of that. But I have seen a lot of clutter and helped many people and I, I just love doing that. So, um, and then two and a half years ago I was introduced to Young Living by Suzanne and I decided to make a business of it. And the reason for it is because it helped me with many of my physical conditions. I have fibromyalgia for 20 years now. And I would get sick every other month, three days in bed, like with flu symptoms. And when I started taking the oils for a year, I wasn't sick at all, none. And that, that to me was like a miracle. I had no more colds, no more flus, no more sinus conditions, and I thought, well, this stuff really works. And um, so I thought, I'm going to make a business of it and um, make money while I sleep. i got to have some way to, <laughs> to get that money keep going as the years go by. So, um, so it's really been an honor and a privilege to be here speaking to all of you. And I hope my testimony blessed you in some way, and I just felt that the world was on my shoulders for many, many, many years, and I was carrying a heavy burden, like a 100-pound backpack on my back for a long time. Being a single parent is so, so hard. It was harder than I could ever imagine. And... Um, but now I'm happy. I love my husband, my children, my grandchildren, my family, my home, and my church. So you guys are all wonderful. Love you all. So my future is in God's hands, but I always ask him what he has in store for me. And right now I'm in a rest, so we'll see what he has for me next. And... Um, I, I'm glad that I was able to come so that I you know, get to know you better. Now you know me pretty good, I guess. Um, so what we can do is, like, if anybody wants any special prayer, if you've been through a divorce, if you've been abused as a child, if you were a single parent, um, and you want special prayer, I'll be over here. Thank you.